Welcome to the Anxiety Proof Her podcast, where amazing women come for education, inspiration, and hope around healing from anxiety. Each month, you're going to hear from other women who took control of their mental health by using outside-the-box holistic strategies to cope with their anxiety and to ultimately thrive. You will also learn from experts in the health and wellness industry about the tools they use every day to help their patients reclaim their well-being. We hope this information allows you to see that there are many different paths to healing. I'm your host, Jennifer Bronsnick, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and anxiety treatment professional. I help women and teen girls who struggle with anxiety, self-doubt, and perfectionism to tap into their innate resilience, get to the root of their fears, and implement custom healing strategies so that they can experience peace of mind, more self-confidence, and be liberated from the suffering that living with anxiety causes. I have lived with anxiety my whole life and know how hard it can be. I also know that there is hope and it's 100% treatable with the right information and support. Thank you so much for showing up for yourself and taking the first step to reclaiming your well-being and resilience. Hello, welcome. Today we have Liz DeFinis joining us on the Anxiety Proof Her podcast. And I can't wait to hear your story because we haven't really connected. So I am excited to learn about your journey through and with and through, you know, recovering um, from dealing with anxiety. So just, I, I want to quick introduce you. So Liz is an empowerment mentor and she's helped strong-willed women welcome peace and joy into their life without a continued cycle of self-sabotage using passion-powered intuitive strategies because it's like totally my language. She lives in Florida. Oh, I want to live in Florida too. <laughs> um, with her husband and three kids, Jacob, Wyatt, and Liza or Lisa? Liza. Liza, pretty. Um, and so tell us more. That's like, I'm sure just a very, you know, tip of the iceberg. Um, tell me more. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've had my journey with dealing with lots of different um, issues related to mental health in my family. And then my own journey with a lot of anxiety, a lot of it related to trying to manage and deal with the mental health issues that did exist. So going through and growing up with um, an alcoholic father and the impact that that has on the household. And then for me, it really turned into a lot of internalizing and trying to control the situation. And, you know, um, I was the peacemaker. So everything was, you know, I was always trying to keep the peace for everybody and do all the things for everybody else in turn, leaving me always on the back burner. And so that really was, you know, my story of where a lot of my anxiety is rooted in and then how it kind of escalated um, into my adulthood as I started to start my own family and um, realized how important self-care and self-love is really going to be to being able to be a good mom, friend, spouse, whatever it may be. You can't do those things without having taken care of and loved yourself. So um, that was really where how my journey kind of started and, and um, 
how I ended up into what I'm doing now, which is helping other women be able to do the same thing to stop self-sabotaging and stop welcoming the chaos. A lot of times we, we are so used to that chaos. We welcome it back into our life instead of realizing we can have whatever we want. We can have peace. We can have joy, whatever it is that you desire. If you stop focusing on welcoming in the thing that you're used to, it feels comfortable because you're used to the chaos. So um, I love being able to help others on that same journey that I was on. And just, I think the self-awareness of, cause like if you would ask someone, they'd be like, I don't like chaos. Like I want it to be calm. And yet there is a part of many of us that like kind of thrives. It's like, it's almost an addiction in itself. Like just Mm -hmm. that like fight or flight, like, Ooh, that adrenaline rush that we get when there's, you know, chaos around us. So are you saying that you didn't really recognize that you had anxiety until it was like well later into your life or when you were younger, did you struggle at all with anxiety? Um, I had a lot of signs of anxiety when I was younger, a lot of, um, I had some issues with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. I had, um, issues, a lot of issues with perfectionism, never feeling good enough, um, very low self-esteem. So a lot of that really, um, Mm -hmm. was rooted in all the things that I went, I went through and a lot of it turns, you know, and it's kind of the egg and the chicken, like which one comes first. So I'm not really sure whether anxiety developed out of those things or if I really had anxiety and those things were the way that it was coming out. Yeah. But either way, it ultimately came out in the end as being anxiety. And it was something I really hid. Um, I hid from a long time from it. I really didn't come out about it. I didn't talk about it. Um, I denied it if anybody said anything to me because, again, I was a perfectionist. It was always my life looked really perfect on the outside and in my little bubble, you know, I was dying inside. And that's kind of how I grew up. I grew up in a household where we pretended that everything was perfect on the outside and inside it was a disaster happening every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I learned to, you don't talk, you don't share, you just internalize, you, you keep it all quiet and hold it inside. So I continued that into my adulthood until I had pretty severe postpartum anxiety and depression with my first son. Um, and I knew I was feeling it. I knew what was happening, but I wasn't coming forward about it. I wasn't telling the doctor. I didn't call anybody. And I was in pretty bad shape um, at that point. I had had some medical issues after I had him and had been separated from him for about two weeks and was on, um, I had a lot of chronic pain then after that. So I was on a lot of pain medicine, which brings your mood down. Um, And so the combination of being separated from him, having hormones from just having had a baby and then being on medications that bring your mood down. Yes, they heal your pain. They they don't heal your pain, but they mask your pain in the moment, but Mm -hmm. they're also bringing your mood down and they're, they're impacting, you know, the different levels in your body. Um, And so those three things were like the perfect storm for me. Um, and I did go in right after I had him, I went in and I had another baby. Um, they're only 16 months apart. So when my older son was seven months old, my younger son, I got pregnant with my younger son. So, um, you know, that then again, the hormone imbalance and then going right into another baby and then having the baby and then postpartum again. So, um, for like two solid years, I was kind of just teetering. Um, and 
it wasn't until after I had my second son, I actually didn't really have severe postpartum anxiety and depression with him. Um, but I became really more aware of how bad it was last time because I didn't have it. And I was like, wow, hmm, this is a very different experience. And I started to realize in my life how much I was thriving on chaos, how much I was, you know, going into the job. I was overcommitting. I wasn't setting boundaries for time and relationships. I wasn't doing any of those things. Um, and this is a perfect example of that. After I had my first son, I had all those complications. We, I had him in July. We moved up our wedding so I could keep my medical coverage. So I planned a wedding in 30 days. We got married. Um, then, you know, it's like first Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that good stuff as it went into the winter. Um, I was going back to my job full time in February. I was off on medical leave that whole time. Um, and I ended up being pregnant, getting pregnant. And I also started my PhD program at that same time. So, oh, and then I started a new job after I had my second son, I left my full-time job and went to a different job. So I started like a whole new job with a new routine. So, I mean, just like so many things, right? Like you're just like, boom, boom, boom. And it, it's just a lot. It's so a lot. Would you say it was kind of like your approach to not having to deal. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You go from thing to thing mm -hmm. and then you don't have to worry about what you feel like in between those things because you have so many things to go from thing to thing to thing. There's no right. time in between. Yeah. But if you really have a moment to like sit back and feel and think, it becomes really apparent how unhappy you are Yeah. because you actually have to sit with yourself for a second yeah. And think about how do I actually feel right now in this moment? And yeah. it becomes really obvious. And uh, yeah, it took me, it took me a while to really grasp it. And I was on and off of meds, you know, at different periods. Like I was on them after I had my first son and then I took myself off of them. And then I don't think I was on them after my second son because I really wasn't dealing with too much of an issue then. But um, it was later that the anxiety was always there. And it, it comes out in like, again, me trying to control things and then mm -hmm. feeling very stressed with my children and um, easily flipping out and just, you mm -hmm. know, getting upset over like little things that really didn't need that quite of a strong reaction. But I was so running on edge that like just a little thing pushed me over. Yeah. And so I would watch my behaviors as I went into like my 30s. I would start to see my behaviors of like, okay, I see my reactions. It's almost like I could go outside of my body and watch and be like, okay, like you're doing that. But what happens is at the end of every night, you go to bed feeling really guilty, really unfulfilled because you have those moments before you fall asleep that you aren't jumping from thing to thing and it sinks in. And that's when it really became apparent to me, like something's not not right here. Mm -hmm. um, so and that was your wake up call was, were those sort of like, pre-sleep time quiet moments um, where you were like, this is not how I want to feel. Yeah. This is not working for me anymore. So what was like, what was your first step to going from, I'm aware that I am struggling because that's like, sometimes we, like you said, like you, 
you didn't know. Like I have a similar experience when I had my third, I had two other kids before that. I had a little anxiety with them, but nothing like this. Like this was, you know, more, I think, depression than anxiety, but really ultimately it was depletion. Like I was run down and, you know, after having a bunch of kids and it was like, after six months, I sort of like woke up one day. I was like, holy crap. Like I have not been myself the last five months. You know, it was like somehow I, whatever self-care thing I started doing, or maybe it was getting more sleep. I was able to like the fog lifted, but I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and it's not like people hadn't asked, you know, like, are you, how are you doing? Fine, fine, fine. Like we're all good. We're just running around. I got three kids. I'm keeping busy. And then it was like, wow, like I really wasn't that happy at all. Yeah. We always go right to that. Oh, everything's great. I'm doing wonderful. And it's like inside your, and and really it comes into, and that's a lot of what I do. It's that, that whole passion powered intuitive strategy. It's a lot of that is your intuition and being able to listen to your higher self. So as you go to say that to somebody, that little part of you that's screaming, you're not okay. Like, why are you, why are you lying? Like, why are you telling them you're okay when you're not that little tiny voice that you have masked and you have told to be quiet and you have not listened to for so long. That's the voice that's trying to guide you. It's trying to tell you, ask them for help. Tell them how you're feeling. Like there's nothing wrong with being honest about how you feel, but as a society, we are conditioned to believe that feeling things is a sign of weakness and we don't really like to feel. So we have this tendency to kind of hold our feelings inside. And so when we do that, we don't let ourselves feel completely. So like we let ourselves start to feel something, it feels uncomfortable. So it's fear, it's worry, it's stress, it's whatever it is. Um, so instead of allowing yourself to feel it fully and cry and take a day off of work to just fully feel it and be down and whatever it is that you need to do to heal, we block it. We move to the next thing, right? So we feel it for a second, we turn it off and we just put a wall up there, holding it behind the wall and we move on. We go to work, we take care of our kids. We just do all the things like nothing's wrong. And then several days later, nothing is wrong. Everything is great, right? Except that you held that inside your body. So now that's like another trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma that's being held into your body instead of allowing yourself to feel it. So when you think about, you know, nature and like animals and, you know, we are an animal and animals are allowed to feel fully. They shake when they get scared and they, you know, we don't let ourselves go through the process of actually feeling that. And when we don't do that, we can't get over it. And that is really what ultimately builds up to anxiety. You just build and build and build and it continues until, you know, you kind of bubble over. And that's usually when the self-awareness comes out is when um, you're fortunate that your story your anxiety came out at a time when you were really, um, when you were really able to like see yourself improve. Whereas for many, it ends up being the opposite. It's, it's, you completely lose it. You flip out, you lose your job, you get in major fights with family, something huge happens. And then it kind of clicks and you realize. And so it's unfortunate it gets that far, but as a society, we don't really support people being able to feel comfortable being open. 
Yeah. So tell me more about the tools that you use. So um, a little to add a little bit to my story, because that's kind of how I got to my tools and what it is that um, I use to help my clients. And it all comes from what I found success in helping me achieve where I'm at today. So um, when I had my third, so as we talked about, I have, I have two boys, so I have Jacob and Wyatt. And then when I had Liza in January, um, she was born and um, the pregnancy leading up to that was totally fine. I did have a lot of anxiety leading up to while I was pregnant with her and they had me on medicine through the entire pregnancy. Um, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure why I was so anxious, but I just kept getting waves of anxiety constantly when I was pregnant. And um, I really never could pinpoint what was happening or what the trigger was. But when I had her in January, I was still on the medicine because I wanted to go off of it when I was feeling better after the first trimester. The doctor said, probably not a good idea because you have a history of postpartum anxiety and depression. When the baby comes, that's probably when you're going to need the medicine the most is when your hormones are really off, you have a newborn, you're not getting any sleep and all of that. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess you're right. Like I'll just keep taking it. So I kept taking it through the whole pregnancy. When I had my daughter in January, um, she started having seizures when she was 36 hours old. And um, we, she ended up being life flighted and um, we met her at a different hospital um, afterwards and it was discovered that she had a stroke. So all of this was completely unprecedented at that time. There was nothing found during the pregnancy. There was nothing this whole time leading up to that. Um, so I was um, on my medicine, but I actually didn't have enough of the prescription with me. Um, I was, I didn't have enough of like any of my meds with me because everything was so like, I left the hospital and I went to the other hospital and there was no time to like go home and get my own medications. So I ended up um, going off of the meds kind of not even intentionally, but I really I didn't have a choice. And in that moment, you know, getting meds filled was not the option. We were on a roller coaster ride for 30 days of they couldn't control her seizures. And it was like they were controlled. Then it was a relapse and it was they were controlled. And we just continued on that cycle for 30 days. It was insane. So being on medicine wasn't really my top priority at that point. And I really fully expected to have that moment where I was going to crash and it was all just going to come over me. And it, it didn't. Because the entire time as I was going through all of that, I just kept listening to this voice inside of me that kept saying to me, it's going to be okay. Like, she's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, you know, you're just going to, it's just another day. You're going to push through it. We're going to do what we have to do and take everything one day at a time. And um, it was really my approach in surviving that situation. And I really never had my moment. I never went back on the meds. Um, I never had my moment of um, complete meltdown. I mean, yes, I had my moments where I cried and I let myself feel as I talked about, you have to feel. And I had my moments where I felt it, but I never had the moment that I totally lost it and felt like everything was hopeless. And I feel like so many times that's what it comes to. Um, and a lot of it was just peace. And I feel like the peace that I felt in that situation, I was able to kind of push on to her and it was able to keep her calm and help her heal and get to the point where she needed to be so that we could bring her home. And so 
afterwards, it took, I waited for this moment of like crashing to come for months. I mean, for three months, I was like, when is this going to happen? At some point I have to, this is just going to explode, you know, all over. (laughs) And it never did. And so then I ended up, I actually wrote a book um, in about 30 days. I wrote a book with a co-author just about different processes that we go through, um, going through the devotions and um, looking at, you know, setting boundaries and how you can basically welcome peace and joy into your life. You know, um, what are the steps? What are the things that you can take the things that you can do to welcome that? And then that kind of rolled out into me working more one-on-one with clients. And now I developed a program that I do with clients and it comes along with alignment. So it's like, it's, it's a couple different factors that go into it. But it's being able to listen to your intuition, connect with your higher self and show her that you're still listening, that she's still important to you and that you're willing to listen to what she has to say, because we're so used to quieting her that her voice is so tiny now. We need to let her voice come back out. We need to listen. And then moving into setting up your life and aligning it, looking at your boundaries. Are you overcommitting? Most of the time as a society, we overcommit. And when we overcommit, we get overwhelmed. And when we get overwhelmed, then we end up with anxiety and guilt and all of these things. So if we can learn how to do something really basic, like set boundaries, it can transform your life. It really transforms everything about it. You feel confident saying no. You feel supported in the decisions that you make. You don't have to second guess. There's so many factors um, and there's some really simple steps to setting boundaries that will help. And that's what one of the things that we work through in the, in the program is just being able to figure out how can I do this? How do I get from point A to point B and being able to do that? Yeah. Saying no is a powerful skill that we all probably need to practice a little bit more. So for the woman who's listening right now, that's struggling, what, message of hope can you give to her? So I would say you can literally live and feel anything that you desire. You can live your life doing and feeling how you want in every single day, but you have to be willing to take that step to pour into yourself, whatever that may be. Something that I didn't value before, and I was very like tight with money, and I I would never spend money on coaching or any of those types of things because I just didn't feel like it was a necessary expense. Mm. It's the best thing that I've ever done. And that's, you know, a barrier a lot of times is people are afraid to spend the money on the care and the help that they need. But once they do it, then they just know, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this before? Because Having somebody else listen to you is like a complete changeover from trying to hear yourself and they can really help you connect with your higher self on so many different levels. So definitely that there's always hope and you absolutely can have whatever you want. You can feel however you want or not feel however you don't want to feel, but you have to take action. You cannot just sit back and hope that it's going to magically appear in your life. Things don't magically appear. They appear when we go and we get them. So you need to show the world that you're ready to make that change. I love that. Thank you. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes, but could you just share where people could find you if they want to learn more about your services um, or your story? 
Yeah, absolutely. A, a big portion of what I do and probably the easiest and quickest way to find me would be on Facebook. Um, I, you know, have my, a lot on my personal profile and I do have a Facebook group as well. Cool. Um, and so on Facebook, my name is just Liz DeFinis. So super easy to find. Um, are you going to have my name in the description? Yep. Or should I yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yep. you guys can just search for that in the description, search for my name on Facebook and yeah, I'm more than willing and welcome to connect with you. I love connecting with others about the topic. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I hope that your daughter is all healed. And I'm sure you being able to take that positive, optimistic mindset, you know, had a huge impact on, you know, everybody as a family and their ability to get through it. So, you know, just want to honor you for that and everything that you went through. And now giving that back to others is so powerful because you know how it feels to go through hard times and come out the other side. So thank you. Thank you all for listening. Please, if there is something that you took from this interview, an action step that you want to take, write it down. Take the action today. Don't wait for one more day when you could start feeling better today. So thanks again. Have a great day. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in your well-being. I hope you learned at least one new idea or technique that you might want to implement into your own life. Remember, you're not alone. There is hope. And with the right information and support, you can thrive. If you're dealing with panic or looking for a step-by-step -step process that will allow you to break free from this crippling fear state, I want to invite you to check out my Panic Attack Survival Guide. You can grab your free copy at www.jenniferbronznick.com. Thanks for listening.